Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. Joyce is the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, a program that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. As a certified coach, she studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, author of the Chicken Soup book series, where she served as an assistant to his training program. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted hundreds of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guest will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host, Joyce Buford. Good morning. Welcome to Second Wind. I hope your day is starting off with a boom, an exciting boom, because this is going to be a show full of valuable valuable information. You're going to love being here and listening to my guests today. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Sandra Beck, who is my guest. She is empowerment, and this is through goes throughout her, her lifeline and her work. Whether she is coaching a company owner to a million-dollar commission goal, training a st- a stay-at-home mom to perform SEOs on websites, or speaking to a group of women who are in recovery. Her message is always what is possible and how to create the circumstances of your choosing. In time when technology has the ability to transcend physical limitations, Sandra Beck teaches all of her clients how to maximize their lives of using their dreams. Sandra Beck is the president of Beck Multimedia. As an author, coach, speaker, radio host, entrepreneur, and philanthropist, Sandra Beck is as successful as she is busy. And she's a busy woman because she's a single mom. And she has, has created a virtual empire of successful companies, entirely staffed, managed, and implemented using a host of virtual assistants and online resources. Author of Motherhood Incorporated, The Smart Woman's Guide to Working from Home with Just a Computer and an Internet Connection, and Blogforia, How to Reach Millions of People Without Spending a Dime. Sandra Beck is a powerful voice in the social media arena as a popular internet brand strategist. Sandra is the host of five, <laughs> five, I'm telling you, five radio shows, Military Mom Talk Radio, Powered Up Talk Radio, Dynamic Women, Coach Talk Radio, and Powered Up Talk Radio. That's awesome, Sandra. <laughs> awesome and i and i've even been on one or two of those and it's been fun yes yes it was awesome but sandra beck was born in a small town outside of both buffalo new york she attended northwestern university and earned both her bachelor's degree in journalism and her master's degree in advertising she's the owner and operator 
of Motherhood Incorporated. Wow, Sandra, how do you do it? I'm just <laughs> tired listening to that. I'm like, no wonder I'm so tired every day. I know, but how you have built this this uh, career, this life, is is just awesome. I mean, it kind of step. I kind of step back and um, in awe of you. But today, the subject that Sandra and I are going to be visiting about is one that we we both have transitioned through. And so I think there are many out there in the listening audience that will have interest in knowing our subject for the day, which is becoming your best self after divorce. That's a major transition that, <laughs> needless to say, it it reels us, it, it throws us off balance. It's painful getting there, it's painful going through it, and it's certainly painful putting ourselves back together. So I'm delighted to to be talking about the subject with you, Sandra, because I know you're going to give us some great input in just to the recovery side of that uh, transition. I always like to ask my guests because I remember so clearly the day that I, it was like that aha moment where you went, something's changing you know, in your life. And so it, it, it's very fresh in your mind. Do you mind sharing your, your life-changing aha moment with us? Oh, there were, <laughs> you know, I was kind of like the aha, had to get hit on the head with the hammer ahas, uh-huh. uh, because I had a lot of clues that my marriage wasn't working. But you know, I had this Pollyanna aspect to myself, and I really believed, you know, if I just loved this person enough, if I just worked as hard as I could, like, I could, you know, save this. And I remember reading when I was a little girl, my mom's ladies home journal, like, can this marriage be saved? And I would always think, you know, because I was also an avid reader of Harlequin romance as a young lady. Um you just had to love, Joyce. You just had to love enough. And, you know, when my ex-husband didn't stop dating, you just have to love, <laughs> you know, and, and um, through a series of, of disasters, you just have to love. And, <laughs> and then he left. So, you know, then at that point, the aha moment was, wow, I guess you don't have to just love. I guess there's more to it than that. Um, so I wish I could say there was like one defining aha moment but there were so many Joyce that just flew over my head like a 747 and I'm a smart but you know they do say love is blind and boy they're right well I hung in there if you don't mind me sharing a couple of months I hung in there and I kept saying every year it'll get better next year yes you ever say that one oh yes for 10 years yes it's going to be better next year yeah next year or the, the, it'll get better when he gets a job. It'll get better when he does. And it was all him because the one thing I'll say, Joyce, is as miserable I was in my marriage, I was happy everywhere else. I loved my job. I had a great circle of friends. I did a lot of charity work and I have a wonderful family. So, you know, and I, there was part of me that said, well, you know, you can't have it all. So. Mm-hmm. You know, if I had this amazing, wonderful husband that loved me like I loved him, I mean, it would be pretty close to perfect. I know. 
I know. That is, it kind of does set you off. You you develop you, outside things really go well for you. And yes. it's when you come home that they just kind of don't work so well. They stink, actually. Yeah, and so there's no, lots of stress and frustration there. Yeah, but, I was a great person out in public, and I'd come home and feel like the biggest loser. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, I always say I'm I'm convinced that we are so programmed as little girls to believe that we, of course, are Cinderella and that when when we meet our prince, life is just going to be great. That's right. We're going to go live in the castle and and everything is going to be wonderful because we've ran away from our wicked mother or whatever, (laughs) whoever that person is that we think is the wicked person and uh, it's just unbelievable and that that Walt Disney story has programmed so many little girls over the over the world well and it was it's like the end result like when they they it's just like oh you get married happily ever after like when getting married is when the story begins like it's not the end of the story but i just believed okay once you get married you get married and joyce to take it one step further i i and i know this sounds crazy given who i am today but i really didn't think i had a choice in husbands and i don't know where i got this i just thought you were chosen like the prince comes to get oh. the princess like oh i didn't really think about um, who I want to be with, what I wanted in my life. And I was blessed to have amazing brothers and an amazing dad. So mm-hmm. I thought every man was wonderful. Mm-hmm. But it never occurred to me someone would hurt me. It never occurred to me someone could be selfish. You know, my, you know, and I, I, I look at my childhood, and this is probably where the Pollyanna thing came from. And my ex-husband used to call me, it, not in a nice way. He's like, you're such a Pollyanna. You just think everything's going to go your way. You just think everything's wonderful. You think everyone's nice. Mm-hmm. Well, why wouldn't I? I had a great mom and dad. I had great <laughs> brothers and sisters. You know, a big fat and happy Polish German family, all, you know, living close to each other. And I'd see all my relatives and, you know, we had our squabbles and stuff, but I, I was surrounded by love. So why would you, you know, and I get this great scholarship to Northwestern and my, the, you know, the business school happens to be my advisor. I get great direction. You know, I would have taken art and dance. He's like, no, you got to go to business school. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Uh, You know, why would I think any different? Right. Because yeah. we shelter our daughters. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you know, those early signs sometimes, I, I saw signs, but I really didn't pay any attention to them. Yeah, me too. Um, when you look back. I just, there's that Pollyanna. I just thought, well, it'll work itself out. That's it'll right. Just, it'll work itself out. Once he knows how wonderful I am, it'll be working itself out. Right. <laughs> so, it didn't. And so yeah. when you decided, you you talk about a, a situation that was a eye-opening situation for you or an experience where you saw your reflection. Oh, the- Joyce, I felt like such a fool, you know, and yeah. I wanted to die of embarrassment and shame. You know, when my ex-husband moved out, you know, he moved out on my birthday during the birthday party, got his stuff and left in front of my parents oh. and in front of my kids. And, you know, 
and, and he, he moved in with a woman who worked with us and uh, they're now married and we mm-hmm. live in a very small town where everybody knows everybody. And it was, I know it sounds silly, but it was wave after wave of humiliation. And I didn't, I took it all personally. Like now when I look yeah. back, I go, okay, well, most of this had really nothing to do with me. It had to do with, you know, his issues, her issues or whatever. But, you know, mm-hmm. being the good little girl, I took them all on my shoulders. And I mm-hmm. I felt like such an abject failure. I was humiliated every day and I didn't want to leave my house. I was so ashamed. And mm-hmm. all of that was me. I put all that on me. You know, nobody came over and said, you're a failure. Nobody pointed their finger at me. And well, it, some people pointed and said it was all my fault, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> we're not acknowledging those people. Um, but yeah, I took it all on Joyce and I, I took it on and, you know, I had some compounding things at the time. I went through a foreclosure because of it. I had a three month old and a three year old and uh, my mom was dying of breast cancer all at the same time. So I didn't mm-hmm. know which way was up. And I went into the turtle, you know, I, I would go in my little home office and I wouldn't come out unless I needed to get my kids or do something. And, um, you know, I really, I just collapsed. Mm-hmm. I still worked yeah. because I had bills to pay. You know, I'm soul supporting and I never got child support or spousal support. So I had to, you know, I had to make a living for us. And, you know, I cried a lot, Joyce. I cried oh, every yeah. day. I cried mm-hmm. every day, sometimes for hours. I just, mm-hmm. I couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was visiting with somebody about the divorce and it's, um, for me, I think making that transition from a married woman to a divorced woman was really difficult because I had never thought of that being a choice I would make. Right. right. And when I had to make that choice for me, it was just unbelievable. And I it threw me into total depression. Yeah. And it sounds like you were there too. <laughs> well, and I, you know, the first time I went to file, uh, I was pregnant with my little one and my older one was like two. Mm-hmm. And I remember my little guy threw, he threw Cheerios all over this fancy law office and, you know, get a <laughs> sticky juice box. And I was just sitting there and then like, they called my name, called my name. I just sat there like a zombie and I, yeah. I went into the attorney and the first thing he said to me is he goes, well, why'd you marry the guy in the first place? Mm. And I, I was so mm. wrong, Joyce. I couldn't, I felt like I got beat up. So I, I, yeah. I just got up and left. I didn't even finish the, you know, cause my ex-husband was supposed to pick up the kids that day. That didn't happen for, I don't even remember for what reason, or right. I guess he was picking up my, my other one. Uh, cause the other one was still in my tummy, but I, I couldn't even answer and I was just so humiliated. So I got up and I like pushed the stroller out and I just left. I never went back to the attorney. I never returned the call. Oh. I just left. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, I didn't file again until like almost a year later. Oh, really? Yeah. Because he put you in such shock or do you feel that was the reason or? I don't think I was ready. 
Okay. You know, I was emotional and I was like, I can't deal with this anymore. You know, there was another woman in the marriage at this point. And, you know, I've got this baby in my belly. I've got a little, another little boy, you know, who's two. And I was a mess. And you should not file for divorce when you're a mess. And so what I did, though, was I... I got myself in order. I actually hired a divorce coach and a therapist, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, to kind of walk me through the emotions. And, you know, when you're pregnant, you're emotional anyway. And so she's like, oh, well, yeah. wait, you know, wait until, you know, after the baby's born. And then after the baby's born, you know, wait a couple months, you just see how you feel, see what's going on, you know, um, and then, you know, I did pull the plug. I did file. And the day I filed, Joyce, I got up with such clarity. There was no emotion. There was no crying. I knew what I needed to do. I knew I needed to create a different life for the kids and mm-hmm. for myself. And I was at peace that time. But the first time I was just a boy, I, was a, I wasn't even a hot mess. I was just a mess. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's um, that transition period is just so fuzzy it's like you don't know what you want you want up you want down you want to lay on the sofa and just cry I just wanted it to stop hurting yeah that's what I wanted I didn't want to you know it's like a death when you wake up in the morning and there's that little bit of like you wake up and you're like oh it's a new day (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) right yeah So in your transition or going through your, I'm going to call it divorce recovery, recovery, because that really is what we're about after the papers are final and we walk out of the building and when then we go, okay, what's next? So how did you find that? Where did, did you start in one area? Did you, how did you start? Because you said you had the responsibility of your children, which immediately threw you into produce, produce, produce. Well, then the nice thing is I was always the breadwinner. You know, I was always the primary breadwinner. So, uh, you know, I was yeah. grateful. Um, and I'll tell you, boy, if you got to get a divorce, you know, own a company of women, you know, incorporate <laughs> <It's> a, <bunch laughs> a bunch of women. I had, I have to tell you, Joyce, one of the biggest things was all the women around me. I needed a new website. So two of the girls up in Canada, Kim and Wendy at the time, built me a website for a gift to me they were both web designers they're like Sam look what we did for you and um if I needed to cry I had like 40 women to that would listen to me and not that I you know I I didn't want to be that kind of boss or that kind of owner but everybody kept telling me I could do it I couldn't swing a dead cat around my life without somebody saying you're gonna be fine you can do this now I didn't believe it I bet you I heard it a thousand times I didn't believe it um but I had amazing women friends. I had my friend Lisa Dietrich. She would come over every night, not every night, but every like Monday night. And she'd pray with me because, you know, my mom was so sick and I didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't know where to turn. Oh, that's so difficult. That's and, difficult you know, she would pray. We would sit at my kitchen table, Joyce, two cups of tea. And, you know, her mother also died of breast cancer. So she was very knowledgeable of the process. Mm-hmm. And so I would cry through the whole prayer session and she would just pray. And I remember her saying, you know, God, please comfort Sandra. Please let her know how much she is loved. Like 
that was so huge for me. And then I had a great therapist who only charged me the copayment for my insurance. She didn't take insurance and she was a divorce expert. And, you know, she just, she would just say, you're normal. Like these are normal uh-huh. feelings talk about these feelings because you do feel kind of like a whack job you feel like you've lost your mind yeah yeah and I lost my identity Joyce did that happen to you like I was a married woman with two kids and now I was a single woman and I I had a hard time wrapping my mind around that for many years now I'm okay with it but it took me years to even say the word divorce I used to say recycle I know I'm recycled. <laughs> Recycle. Yeah, because I like, felt like I'm coming out of something and I'm not the old thing anymore. I'm recycled into something new and usable. Yeah. Well, I did. I still had this conversation. I resent on on medical forms where they ask if you're married, divorced, or uh, oh, and they sometimes have single on there. And I'll yeah. check single just to be. Just to be or honest. other. I like other. Yes. yes. <laughs> I don't know why they have to know that. And I was sure, visiting with dumbest things. I know. And I was visiting with a friend who just lost her husband. And we were talking about this Sunday. And she said, you know, I feel the same way about widow. Yeah. And I said, Really? <laughs> because it's like widow has more grace than divorce. I don't know why. Yes, well, because divorce conveys failure. You know, a yeah. widow, you can't do anything. A widow is like, oh, you know. But that's the other thing, Joyce. You know, like when my ex-husband moved out for a while, he was just enjoying himself and not really seeing the kids too much. And, you know, I kept giggling because I kept thinking, well, <laughs> I lost my husband because I don't really know know where he is you know we weren't divorced at this time and I said that once and people are like oh my gosh I'm so sorry he's died and I'm like no, no I just don't know where he is you know because these labels are so they have so much they carry so much emotion and so much meaning that's why I don't yeah. like them yeah I have one similar to that I was at a new church and um so I the, I was visiting with the minister, and I went into my whole history about I'm I'm the ex-wife of my husband. <laughs> <laughs> it was so weird the way I said it. I still to this day it's bright as it can be, and I went in, and this guy really didn't want to know all that. He wanted to know <laughs> who I was, you know. <laughs> but I, that goes back to lose your identity yeah. because that is part of your identity. And uh, so that was so weird. Yes, I, I totally lost it there for a while. Yes. <laughs> I recovered. Yeah, yeah. So. Because you're just trying to figure it out. And you you have to tell the story. You know, and this is why I was so glad with my therapist and my friends to pray with. And they all told me the same thing. And it's true. You have to tell the story until you don't want to tell it anymore. And, you know, there. Mm. I remember talking to my friend's husband, Tom, who was fixing my air conditioner. And I'm like, God, I'm so sick of this story. I don't even want to tell it anymore. I'm done, done, done with that part of my life. And I was done. Right. Yeah. But did you ever fall into the story where you wanted people to know he had done you wrong? 
Well, that's where I was very lucky. My ex-husband was a public figure, an entertainer, and he and the girlfriend were very public at soccer, at the local restaurants. Everybody in town knew he was with someone else, not me. I'm just walking around, you know, with a pregnant belly and a little baby, (laughs) you know, and nobody wanted to tell me, you know, who's going to tell the pregnant wife that? (laughs) Yeah, Um, Because women would avoid me. And that was the funny thing, Joyce. Like they wouldn't, I thought everybody hated me. And then finally I filed for divorce and I started showing up at some places and people would say, oh my gosh, we didn't know what to do. And so I got a different perspective of the other people because they're like, look, you're pregnant. Maybe you didn't know. And I'm like, well, I didn't know for a long time, but (laughs) maybe it's none of our business. Maybe it was just going to burn itself out, you know, Sometimes guys have affairs when their wives are pregnant and it, it blows up and every the family's fine. Like nobody wanted to be the one to come over and tell me. Yeah. And I heard that from like a bunch, a bunch of the preschool and the um kindergarten moms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't. It's 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 in in many ways it's divorce is like similar to death. It's people don't know what to do. It is they a don't death. Know they don't know how to support us. They don't know what to ask. Or to say. Yeah. So, and you're so right. It is. It's the death of a marriage. And, well, and this is death I agree of life together. It's like, you yeah. know, a relationship takes on a life of its own. You know, you're a family. You're a unit. And mm-hmm. when that breaks up, you have to grieve it like a death. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I think so, too. Especially if it was important to you, you know, marriage and family is everything to me like that. It's more important than, you know, it's like, you know, my faith is first, my family is second. Like, Mm -hmm. so if it, if you're like that and you lose that, you lose one of the most precious earthly possessions you can have your family. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I so agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And still even, even, I would say, and I'm almost like 20 years after my divorce, there are still some times that it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And I'm really kind of sorry, sad about that. Sure. Me you too. I'm year eight. Yeah. And there's times I do feel sad. And, you know, I feel sad, Joyce, when I when the kids and I get in the car, we're three. So there's mm-hmm. always somebody that has to sit alone. There's never mom and dad and the two kids in the back. And that always right. makes me sad, even still. Right. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Well, we've talked about the the transition and the sadness, which we could go on talking about that. But after we come back. I'd like to say we honored it. We honored it. That's very well said, Sandra. And so anyway, when we come back from our break, we're going to talk about how you started taking care of yourself and how you were managing to get through some of the sadder times to particularly with the children and um, how you moved into a healthier, healthier, happier place in your life, because we have to return to the joy of living. We have to return there because life has really not ended. It's transitioned. It's changed in some way. So when we come back, I really want us to spend time talking about putting the pieces back together in so that our lives are fulfilled and full and happy 
and um, we can change lives today by sharing those things. So when we come back, Sandra will be sharing how she transitioned her life and how it graduated through the follow-up process year after and so forth. So when you come, when we come back, we'll be talking more about divorce and recovery, recovery for sure. So don't go away. We'll be back shortly. Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author, Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Welcome back. We were Sandra and I were busy a little bit over the break there, and and we were laughing because, you know, all of us think that the pain that we go is our pain. It's like I was the one that suffered that. And that there are so many similar situations in every situation. The, you know, it's like we all roll up in the ball. We all get embarrassed. We all lose our identity. Those are some of the common things that happen in just the process of moving through divorce. So now we're going to spend time, and Sandra's going to share with her us how she began taking care of the different parts of, like, the body, the mind, the spirit, to help her move through into wholeness again. So, Sandra, how did you start your recovery? Well, it was in fits and spurts. It, it wasn't smooth, even though it, it will sound like it was smooth. Um, one of the things that I did that my therapist had me do was this these morning pages. And you you just buy a spiral-bound notebook like you know the kids use for, for high school mm-hmm. and college. And I had to sit down before my kids got up. And, you know, that, that was sometimes like <laughs> 2 in the morning when you have a baby. But yeah. I 
committed every day to writing three pages. And it's so funny, Joyce, because, you know, I burned them. I burned these books because I didn't want anybody to read the awful, awful, horrible things I wrote. Um, but I just, and you have to take a pen and paper. It's not as satisfying on the computer. And there's a whole bunch of neurological reasons why. But um, I sat down and I would write. And sometimes I'd write, I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm hurt. He's such a jerk. Blah! You know, just all this <laughs> ugly stuff. And uh -huh. then it'd be like, I'm so sad, I'm so sad, I'm such a loser. Like, oh! <laughs> you know, because we have all these silly, crazy emotional thoughts in our head. And I just would sit down and write whatever came to mind. Sometimes it would be like, oh, God, there's like the carpet's so disgusting. I need to get it cleaned. And should I get the carpet cleaned? Or, you know, the baby needs the shots. And, you know, it was it was just a place to put that stuff. And I found yeah. it in the morning. And I know Julia Cameron wrote a lot of books about and guides about doing morning pages. But the morning pages helped me. And I could see the evolution of going from anger, frustration to hope and then to planning and I want everybody to know it's entirely okay after divorce to look to the future and see nothing Zip <laughs> oh, you yes. know and especially for somebody like me that was a big planner uh that was really scary for me because I felt I had no future and I didn't know what I wanted I didn't know what I preferred because I didn't know who I was anymore and it was like you know, I like to use this analogy because I think because I have boys and my boys always had Legos and you know how they make Legos, like they'll make some Lego design and then kick it. <laughs> no. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, tear it up. Right. And the, mm -hmm. kick, yeah, the Legos go all over the carpet. Well, that's mm -hmm. kind of what it feels like when you get a divorce. You've got this whole little building made and then either you or actions or behaviors or your spouse comes in and kicks it. And all the pieces fall down. But the most important thing, Joyce, is the pieces are still there. They're not gone forever, but it feels like it. And you have an opportunity now to build something new out of the Legos. And that's that analogy I held on. I still hold on to it today because when I try something and I don't know if it's going to work, I'm like, you know what? I can rebuild it. And that's rebuilding is so much a process of the post-divorce recovery Mm, yeah. And, um, having something to hold on to. And, and, you know, this was the other thing um, that I held on to, and I still hold on to it eight years later. Um, my little guy and I were watching the Lego Ninjago movie. It's a Lego movie, you know, with little characters. And these guys were all ninjas. And the wise sage grandfather or sensei, sensei Wu comes on the TV, you know, like two in the morning, Joyce, I'm, I'm feeding one baby, my little three, four year olds watching this video. And he comes out and he looks at the television and he says, do only what you can do today to get you to where you want to be. <laughs> and it was like, you know, granted it's two in the morning with the two kids. It right. was, he was coming out of the television saying, Sandra, just do what you can do today to get you to where you want to be. And that resonated, that little line from a kid's show touched me so deeply that I, I speak on that, I live by that principle. And I started sitting down each morning after I would do my morning pages yeah. and take five minutes and write out what I needed to do today. Not everything that needed to be done, because that's when I would go into crazy psycho overwhelm. Yes. Just 
what did I need to do today? Okay, today I need to do the laundry because the kids are out of whatever. I need mm -hmm. to go to the grocery store because we have this. I need to return these client calls. I need to edit this document. And that's it. Mm -hmm. I try to put more on my plate. I didn't try to fix everything. And I put into my day routine, and this is where, like, you know, gyms have childcare that yes. are mm -hmm. just... You can go in the shower and cry while your kids are being in the childcare. You can go work out. Um, when I first, you would go there to cry. Others I would go there would. to work out. Yes, and everybody told me to take yoga, and you know what, Joyce? It was horrendous because uh -huh. I got in there and they started playing this music, and I'd get weepy. And you know, when your husband leaves you for someone else, your self-esteem takes a turn. Like at least mine did. Like totally. Oh, yeah in the toilet oh, and then I looked at all these women who were skinnier than me and more flexible than me and then I fell over in my first class and the teacher's like is this your first time and I'm like <laughs> you know done done and done so I walked across the street um to the Krav Maga place which is uh, martial arts and I was out of shape Joyce I had just had a baby a couple months ago you know I wasn't yeah. exactly peak physical condition. I was 35, 36. It's not like I was 20 something, but I went in there and the guy said, come on and take a class. And I took the class and it was like throwing a temper tantrum. I was kicking things. I was punching things. And then you have to yell. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like my toddler does this and I go do it. And I did it for a year. And one time the guy, um, Frankie, worked with me and he said, Sam, he goes, you got a lot of anger. I'm like, yeah, think. <laughs> he said, I want you to meet me after class. And he took this big bag, Joyce, and he gave me these big, funny gloves. I looked ridiculous. I look like a cartoon character. <laughs> and he's like, punch. And he's like, who are you mad at? And I told him, and, you know, not to give up lots of details, but he's right. like, okay, punch him in the head, punch him in the head, punch her in the head, punch her in the head, you know, punch this person in the head, punch your company in the head, punch your foreclosure in the head, punch your dead mom in the head. And it, it you know, it was, it helped me get rid of, and that was a big emotional passing for me. Mm -hmm. I had to get all that energy out and yoga didn't work for me. I needed something where I could yell, scream and cry and right. basically throw a controlled tantrum mm -hmm. oh yeah that was great didn't you feel wonderful after your hour in there oh I went for three years uh Tuesdays and Thursdays and I would save it up and Dawn Schneider my sparring partner I love her she's six feet tall in her stocking feet so I could kick as hard as I wanted to I didn't have to hold back oh oh that's what you actually do in that you kick Class. and you punch and you yell. You go, ha, punch, ha, punch. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it feels good. It gets a yeah. lot of that deep down. Like if you're like me, a swallower, like a swallow of anger, oh, yeah. you, know, you try to keep the peace. And, you know, I don't. I don't like to fight, which is very funny. I'm not somebody who wants, I'm not combative. In fact, I shy away from conflict. But once he unleashed the dragon in that class, I probably had, you know, 40 years of anger coming out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you were raised in a family that was loving and all this. So you, I don't dare say you very, had very many opportunities really ang be angry. No, and it wasn't, you know, I'm from the Upper East Coast. I'm from a Christian family. So none of those encourage girls to yell and scream. 
Right. <laughs> you know, not, no judgment, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, it's just, that's just not ladylike. Right. Yeah. Yes, for sure. I have heard of some therapists. Um, I have a friend that went through her divorce, and she would go down and break plates or bottles. Oh. And um, to get through her anger. And um, so any way you can express yourself and letting that the more uh, vigor or, or, you know, you can express it more openly. I think it is a great release for that anger that we can. Well, the good thing about martial arts um, at whatever level you take it, Joyce, Mm -hmm. you also get the fitness benefit at the same time. Like for me, you know, with two kids and soul supporting, um, I had to multitask. So it would be great to go out and break things, but I also needed to get myself to the gym. I needed to get my fitness back. And Mm -hmm. that kind of did like, like three things. It allowed me to really work up a sweat. It allowed me to get stronger. Like my muscles got stronger. And when you feel yeah. strong, it kind of translates over to your emotional strength. Mm-hmm. And it also allowed me to release a lot of that anger and frustration and sadness. And then Joyce, the funny thing was one day I went in there and I'm like, mm, I don't need this anymore. And I went to yoga. oh that is interesting yeah because then I was ready to be calm with my feelings and Mm -hmm. you know and it took about three years I'll be honest it wasn't a slow process but um I had changed and so my workout changed yeah yeah that's a really important point there is that we need the exercise that really really fits the the time right where we are yeah you need to express yourself you need to let that anger out then a more combative that's really good yeah i like that i transitioned and it's funny because i i did yoga and meditation and you know and i still i still do it but not as much i don't take an hour and a half class now i do like little 15 minute yoga bursts on daily burn and my um, workouts now, eight years later, are variety based. I might punch the heavy bag. I might be on the treadmill or the elliptical, and then I might go over and swim. And um, I think it's really hard to stay depressed when you work out once a day. Yeah, hard right. to get there. You know, that's yeah. that's the hardest thing. I mean, it's hard to get there even when you're not depressed. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. But now, do you do you also do a walking program because you. You live in the country. I do. I walk a lot um, when I can, um, but I do like to walk. And I do, because I work a lot, Joyce, and I have a lot of overhead. I live in Southern California, so it's expensive. I do walking meetings. And I always tell my clients or my friends or my family, if I have to call them back, like, I don't sit and talk on the phone. I get up and I walk while I'm on the phone. So I'll walk around my pool. I'll walk around my neighborhood. I'll walk around the park and I'll take my calls with me. Um, and I just say right up front, look, I'm going to be walking during our call today. You're going to hear some heavy breathing. It's nothing other than me exercising. And Mm -hmm. most people know my story. Mm -hmm. 
So they're okay with that. And if I have a meeting that has to be on the computer or I have to take notes, then I can't do my walking meeting. But I'll tell you, if you carry a little pad and paper and you're like, I carry a little backpack when I walk and right. you need to sit down and write something down at the meeting, you can do that. And it keeps me from feeling trapped in my own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, all of those exercises that you did uh, really used address taking care of the body, the mind, the spirit, and the soul. But were there other areas that you participated in to help those areas? Yeah, I um I I listened to like Joyce Meyer, Joel Osteen. I would I I actually shut off my television because I was tired of seeing affairs be glorified and the excitement of the affair and all because I'm the one on the other end you know right (laughs) and a lot of tv shows a lot of television shows feature that as something exciting and different Mm -hmm. and dangerous well when you're going through it it just sucks so Mm -hmm. I shut off the tv and I started I replaced all that time I would only watch a comedy like I would watch like the big bang theory or reruns of Frasier or something like that I would only feed my brain with with that, and I only fed my brain with inspiring literature, or I got serious radio and listened to Joel Osteen and Joyce Meyer and um, Wayne Dyer. Like, I purposely chose things that would uplift me, and I tried to steer away from anything that was negative or people who were negative, Joyce, because I was, like, walking around made of, like, shattered crystal that was, like, put together by scotch tape, and if you had tap me on the shoulder, I would break into a million pieces. I was that fragile. Um, So I had to control my mental environment. And then I also needed to feed my spirit and my soul. So those helped me. I would go to church, but I would go into church choice and I would sit in the back and cry. Like, you know, I was that person in the back row and they would just, and it would just, it was like a faucet I would go in I would sit down the pastor would say welcome he'd do the (laughs) blessing and the tears would start and they would pour down my face Mm. and there was this little woman from India and I won't name her but she goes to my church she's about 150 years old she would come and sit with me she always had a napkin in her pocket or a tissue in her pocket you know how old people have little tissue Uh yeah she would give that to me. She put that in my hand and then she would take my other hand and she would just hold it. And we didn't know each other. She really didn't speak English. And, you know, I, I hug her every time I see her, but she's, she's not really English speaking. So there's not a whole lot of, you know, conversation mm-hmm. to be had, but she would just sit with me. In the and beautiful. I'm pathetic, like, you know, like what a mess, but <laughs> You know, I have to tell everybody this because whether you're a mess in home or a mess in public or you break down at the PTO meeting, you know, which I've seen, uh-huh. that's just normal. Like, that's normal post-divorce. That's normal when your mom dies. And we live in a society that's so sanitized that I think that makes it even worse when you're going through something really emotional. Yeah. Yeah. And it just allow yourself to feel the pain is a big thing. So many times we try to, to put on this facade and we really need to feel the pain. You got to no matter where it is. You know, Judy Brizantine wrote this great book on grief and I had her on one of my shows and she actually drove up 
to talk with me and the kids. And she gave my kids a journal and she told me, you have to sit with your grief. It's going to, if it's going to pass and you got to sit with your sadness or sit with your anger because you can't sustain it more than like anger, especially it's hard to sustain more than a couple minutes. It passes and Uh sadness has to come out, you know, like there's tears for a reason. There's, there's all those emotions have to come out of us in order for us to heal. Mm-hmm. And if we don't let them come out, if they we don't sit with them, like, okay, sadness, I'm going to sit with you for a while. Okay, anger, I'm going to sit with you for a while. Or oh, let's go for a walk, my angry feelings. Let's walk together. If we don't do that, Joyce, we can't heal. Mm-hmm. Ever. Yeah. When you're sitting with those angers and grief, and are you doing anything? Are you writing? Are you... Walking, certainly walking would be a good way with It depends. You know, sometimes I feel like writing. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes yeah. I feel like walking. Sometimes I don't. Like, I think it's important to sit down and go, I am really mad right now. What am I mm-hmm. mad about? Okay, what do I want to do with this anger? Because sometimes you can take that anger and you can clean your house top to bottom. You can... <laughs> Go to the gym class. Like the other night I was doing this thing called slam ball where you take this 10 pound heavy ball and you slam it on the ground, Uh (laughs) try to pick it up. And I'm like, okay, like this is a good one, (laughs) you know, I think you got to give yourself, like I used to have this checklist, like there was 15 things I could do when I was sad, you know, take a bath, you know, watch a funny movie, read a good book, listening to an inspiration, go to a class, you know, I had a whole list and I would, I would sit down like it was a McDonald's menu and go, this is what I'm feeling and these are my choices. So what am I going to do? Because journaling doesn't work all the time. Working out doesn't work all the time. Nothing works all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and variety is is another way of helping it pass easier. Yes, you know. So you listed uh, best practices of post divorce. Yeah. Would that be one of them? Yeah, have a variety. Have your checklist. Like, have just a piece of paper. You know, with a variety of things you can do to. You know, and I borrow this from Tony Robbins to shift your state. I'm in this state of mind. I'm depressed. I'm sad. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. How do I move myself out of that? It's very hard to move yourself out of that sitting still on the couch. So you get up, get a cup of tea, sit outside and write in your journal, Uh, walk into the other room and stand up while watching a Joel Osteen or a Wayne Dyer or take your headphones. Like I have my happy tape, like The Go-Go's, they're like an 80s rock band, Uh and they have like Head Over Heels and and Vacation. They have songs that are impossible to be sad to. So I made my (laughs) impossible to be sad list. And then this is funny. I burned a CD one time because everybody thought I was dying because I sent it to all my friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mixed this CD that had all these songs that made me cry. And sometimes I would get so frustrated because I wanted to cry, Joyce, and I couldn't, I couldn't let that emotion out. So I would put on my I'm sad CD and I had sent it to a couple of friends along with my happy CD. Like, this is my happy mixtape. This is my sad mixtape. My friend Beverly called from New Mexico. She goes, are you dying? (laughs) I kind of was, but not in the way she thought. But I made all these things that made me happy. Yes. 
Yeah. What is that song now that just instantly makes me happy? Is it the happy I'm happy? Yeah. The, yeah. Um, Pharrell Williams. Yes. You know, cause you gotta be happy, you know, but whatever song works for you, there's an Elvis song that, you know, he sings about not coming home for Christmas and, um, you know, that one, that'll unglue me in a New York minute. So oh, yeah. knowing, and this is about, like, this is why I think divorce can really be great for you building your own self. If you take the time to learn about yourself, learn about what you need to be stronger than ever, sexier than ever, more successful than ever. Like, you, I looked at it at a point, Joyce, as a do-over. You know, I get a do-over. I get to pick another husband if I want that. I get to pick out new furniture if I want. And I didn't do that right away. Some people slam it in the can right away. That wasn't me. It took me like, I'm still doing it. I'm still doing mm-hmm. it eight years later. I'll see mm-hmm. stuff and go, you know, I really need to get that rid of that. That that reminds me of things. And I'll swap it with friends or give it away or, um, right. you know, it's a process. Yeah. And it's a yeah. long process especially if you were married a long time and very vested in your marriage right so let's see it's eight years after divorce but so how does the first year come look like in comparison now to your life i'm sure there are times you still have moments of tenderness or sadness because i do and it's like 17 years but those are to be expected i mean yeah You'll never get over. That was a traumatic experience for any person to have to go through. So I think we would be kidding ourselves if we just thought we'd never think of it. We never have emotion about it. So how do you compare your life today? Um, well, I, I am so grateful every day, Joyce, because I've been able to rebuild a life into a place where I am really happy and I wasn't happy in my marriage for a really long time. And so Mm -hmm. what has changed for me is when I look back and I go, wow, look where you were and look where you are. Like when you have a baby, like the first day (laughs) the baby comes home, you're like, oh crap, I hope I don't kill it. And then (laughs) Like by two years old, the kid's five years old, they're 13 years old. You're like, hey, I'm getting pretty good at this. Um, <laughs> that's kind of how I feel. I'm like, I'm pretty good at this. But I'll tell you, I went out to dinner with a longtime love of my life and friend uh, who came in from out of town. And he came in and the kids were happy to see him. And we went to the local restaurant and there were two parents in the front seat and two kids in the back seat. And we ordered the family dinner. And we sat there as a family and I, I, I started, of course, I started to cry a little bit and he's like, what's going on? And I said, you know, there's no perfect families, but there are perfect moments. And I got to see what it was like to have two parents who loved each other, kids who loved each other. And even though they fought and squabbled and kicked each other under the booth, it was <laughs> what I thought was a normal family. And it yeah. was just a great, it was the greatest gift to me. And I looked around the restaurant and saw so many other intact families. And I thought, mm-hmm. you will never get the joy out of this one meal that I will, because I felt like a whole family for just a couple hours. Mm, sweet. Yeah. yeah. And sweet. everybody else in that restaurant, I'm sure, never even thought about that. Right. Yeah. Well, that whole experience, most of us will agree, adds to our lives. 
Yes. It's once we move through the sadness, we yes. we feel that. Pardon my phone. I'm sure you can hear it. But would I go back to that situation? No. Would no. I go back to the pain? No. Would I change some things? Some days, yeah, some days. But I agree with you. The growth that I've experienced, the allowing of me to be be seen again. I mean, yes. I would have never been doing a radio show if I'd been stayed in that right? relationship. Right, I mean, yeah. so yeah. many doors open. Yes, yeah. If you allow it. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Some people let that story be their only story. That's right. And so their life is more difficult, sadder. But you have given us some great information about recovery, about reinventing ourselves, allowing the pain to come and feeling the pain and expressing the pain through (laughs) juicy. What was the sport you did? Oh, Krav Maga, Israeli, like, fighting. (laughs) You know, who would think, you know, this little Catholic girl from Buffalo, you know, going, oh, I'm going to take Israeli martial arts. And it's the funniest thing in the world, Joyce, but it was so good for me. Yeah. Well, Sandra, I thank you so much for being with us today, sharing with my listening audience this transition. So if maybe they've never experienced, they understand some of the pain they can help friends as they go forward. Or we can just know we're normal when we feel the sadness of divorce. So. And Joyce, if you and I can do it, they can do it. So don't give up and don't give up on yourself. And just get up every day and do your best. Do that that sensei woo. Just do one, do what you need to do today and that's enough. That's it. Well, I thank you very much for being with us today. I know that you walk away with some valuable information to put into your life or to share with a friend. So next week, I hope you'll be back with us and that, well, Sandra won't be here, but I will. So we'll (laughs) see you next week. Bye. Joyce Buford returns next week at this same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, Women are receiving support during their transition and are able to reclaim their true purpose and strength. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at 